You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello Rush Nation and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Liam, at the FSA Tweets on Twitter. Rich, bring it straight over to you because we've got a jam-packed episode. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good. I'm very good. Yeah, we should probably mention that we're recording this on the 20th of March. Um, so, uh, yeah, if anything mental happens to the six guys we're going to discuss over the next two weeks before it goes live, um, obviously we we weren't to know. Well, yeah, as Rich said, pre-recording because he didn't tell you the reason because he's taking three weeks off of the Dynasty podcast. So we're having to do a bunch of episodes early because Rich doesn't want to miss out. Um, but we'll throw it over to our very special guest that we've got. Um, Rich, you had him on the show last season, and I know you have a special message for him, so I'll hand it over to you <laughs> to introduce him this time. Yeah, so uh, so join us today. We've got Dave Wright, who uh, you will probably more likely know as at FF underscore Spaceman. Uh, he is a writer for DLF, a co-host of the Tale of Two Rivals pod, and, uh, and as I describe him, the creator of the greatest spreadsheet ever made. Um, in his weekly NFL database. Um, it's, it's a funny story because, well, perhaps funny for me, not so for Dave, but we did a podcast last year, sort of introduction to uh, analytics in, in Dynasty. And honestly, my internet connection was so awful. I think it was, some would some would describe it as torture for an hour. Basically, Dave tried to have to guess what I was saying because he couldn't make out a word I was saying. So it was, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pleased that he's come back because it obviously wasn't that bad an experience last time, Dave. Look, I appreciate the apology, but I'm totally comfortable now because you guys are already making excuses for what happens if things go wrong the next two weeks. I am, I am this confident that whatever I say here will be golden. You know, it's it, analytics, right? Whatever I'm going to say is absolutely 100% right. So I don't know. I, I, I can see into the future. I'm ready to go. Perfect. There we go. That, right. let's, let's kick off, Liam. <laughs> let's get straight into it. Um, so... Dave, I don't know whether Rich did this last time round, but we have brought in a little bit of a thing where if we have a guest on, we ask you a few questions to start off with. Easy ones, you don't have to start sweating. We're not going to ask you some sort of maths question or anything along those lines. So how long have you been playing fantasy football, mate? 
I don't think I have enough fingers and toes for this, but I think it's 21 years this year I've been playing for. So I started my freshman year of high school. So back in like 2001, I think. So yeah, started playing the Yahoo public leagues and then moved on to my family leagues and then started playing with high school friends. And then the rest is kind of history. And then I'm, I would just wind up here where I'm in, I'm not actually not that many leagues, probably like 12 total, 15, maybe including redraft. So. And then I suppose the other question is, how did you get into producing content for fantasy? Because as Rich said, you've got this greatest spreadsheet of all time. I'm a massive fan of spreadsheets. So I'm going to have to check this out after this. But how did you get into producing content? So um, my first job out of college was working with us. Uh, it's at a school with individuals with disabilities. And a lot of my coworkers were like around my age. And there was actually quite a few men that I was working with at the time. And then they were all super into sports. And in my quest to demonstrate my sports knowledge and my superiority over, over my coworkers, <laughs> I, I had to find an edge in fantasy football. So I'm not sure if you guys remember, were playing back then, but Yahoo Pub, uh, Yahoo. Uh, had added Roto World. They had integrated it to the site, so they were getting news updates. They never used to. So you had to do your own grunt work to find injury updates, coach speak, beat reporter stuff. And then once it all came on a, on to Yahoo, your that edge was gone of doing the extra work. And every like everyone's on to everyone's fingers. And I had to find this edge against against these coworkers because I was like living and dying by my my sports knowledge at the time, uh, at personally. So then um, I went and I found a couple podcasts. Uh, I found Matt Kelly's Roto Underworld podcast, I think it was third or fourth episode he ever did. So uh, that got me really into trying to find the skeleton key, you know, the supposed skeleton key or advanced metrics had the answer to everything, but I actually became a, a worse fantasy player because of it. Um, I didn't have any clue how what I was doing. I was, you know, I think I drafted Charles Johnson, a Vikings wide receiver who was cut by Green Bay in like the fourth round of a redraft league. Because, you know, breakout age, uh, <laughs> uh, I made a lot of mistakes. But then, you know, as I it was a quest to get better and better, I, I came across Peter Howard and I started asking him a ton of questions about like, what is market share of, of air yards, you know, all these different questions. And he had his own database. And I finally got tired of asking him questions and adjusting his spreadsheet the way I wanted to. So my wife, we were working different schedules, the exact opposite schedules at the time. So I had a ton of free time. I spent like 40 hours a week creating my own spreadsheet for a year, uh, mass, like over 2000 players, uh, dating back to 2000. And then, uh, and then actually to wrap the story up, I was actually on like just in their tweet, their, uh, on the live chat for their, for the dynasty crossroads, Peter's podcast at the time with, uh, Jake Anderson was a co-host then back then. And I won the Scott fishbowl entry as a listener. I was a, like a very avid loyal listener and that got me like three or 400 follows like a week before I released my database and got a ton of eyes on it. And so I owe a lot to Peter and, you know, for inspiring me to want to create spreadsheets and then also um, getting me into the Scott Fishbowl and getting eyes on my work. And I got, I had actually a couple sites wanted me to come write for them right, right after I released it. And then the rest, you know, a year and a half later, I was running for DLF. So, and I'm here with you guys now. So <laughs> <laughs> it sounds brilliant, mate. I mean, I love a good spreadsheet and Rich speaks very highly of it as well. So I really am going to have to check it out after this. So it's not, it's not just, it's not just one Liam, there's three, there's plenty, there's plenty of different spreadsheets. It's uh Dave's yeah. I don't want to embarrass Dave, but it's, it's some, it's some impressive work. I am going to have to check it out, but enough about spreadsheets. Cause that's not what the listeners are here for. We'll dive into our running back positional preview for the 2022 rookie class. Um, We've got some names here. So, Dave, I'll throw it straight over to you for the first one. This guy um, has been uh, a darling over the past few weeks after his combine performance. He's been absolutely incredible from an analytical point of view, um, just based on those workout numbers. It's Brees Hall. Dave, what can you tell us about Brees Hall right now? So the way I kind of approach prospecting is I try to create like uh, tropes or archetypes that I don't, I, I know I'm usually these analytic nerds, they create their models and stuff. I actually have not had a lot of success with models. So I try to just create these archetypes and try to describe how I think they're going to produce in the NFL based on their, like how they're going to score points in the fantasy. So I look at through 
you know, age, volume, touchdowns, receiving ability, the size, athleticism, and also some efficiency too. So that's kind of how I break it down. And Brees Hall checks all those boxes. He's young, 21 years old, very, very good size at six foot two seventeen. That's a nice running back build uh, for the NFL. And he was a workhorse in college, two seasons over 20 carries per game. That is, that is exactly what we would like to see, especially from a young declare, you know, early declare. Uh, having two seasons over 20 uh, carries per game is is special. And he had over 60% of his team's rushing attempts uh, in over the, those final two seasons. So that's that's a really healthy workload. And he had 130 scrimmage yards per game, which just really gets me excited. You know, that's not only did he get the work, but he's also uh, produced with it and had over 20 C, or over 20 TDs in his final two seasons. Like I, I can just keep going and going here. But then the real feather in his cap, three seasons over 20 receptions, and a final season of 36 receptions, like he does it all. So he he can he can handle the rock, he can catch the ball, and he's athletic running a 4-3-9-40, great uh, vertical leap and broad jump too. And he's, you know, even getting a little bit deeper. His efficiency is a great breakaway run percentage, uh, over 46% and 53% in those two seasons, which shows me that he has some dynamism, some explosiveness to his game. But he also has a good juke rate or evaded tackles per touch of 28% uh, in his final, or he averaged that. So that's, he does it all. So he efficiency, volume, receiving ability, he's going to get the draft capital and athletic, like that's Brees Hall. I, I am, he's already in my top five RBs in dynasty right now. Wow. Like, that's how good he is for me. Yeah, Norwich, I, I know you're I'm, dying to jump in. I'm, I'm loving hearing this because I've been all in on Brees Hall for the last three months, um, and I've I've I feel like I've been standing on an island saying, everybody's saying, "Oh, 2022, it's a terrible class. It's a terrible class. Sell sell for 2023 picks." And it's like, actually, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a bad quarterback class outside of maybe one massive lottery ticket, but actually, I really really like Brees Hall. I'm I'm all in on Brees Hall. He ticks every box for me. That I I have a, one of those rookie models that I play with that that I, it tends to be pretty good. It's pretty successful in certainly across the last couple of years, and he ticks every single box that I look for. So running back breakout breakout age, best receiving market share, yards per team rush attempts, weight adjusted speed score, and best market share touchdown percentage. He's above the 90th percentile in every single one of those. He's in the pre-draft model. He is neck and neck with Jonathan Taylor in terms of how good he is as a prospect. And then when you go across and watch him on film, I don't know if I've ever watched a player in college that looks so comfortable running the ball. And what I mean by that is when I watch him, it it looks like he's just not putting any effort in. And I, I'm, I'm liking this to my other sport that I love in terms of cycling. And, you know, you talk about beautiful cyclists and it's where basically they're going uphill at a ridiculous speed and it looks like they're putting no effort in. That to me is Brees Hall. He's he's outrunning guys to the edge and, and getting down the field, but it looks like he's just cruising and I could watch him run all day and I, I have got no concerns about him at the next level. I'm, I'm all in on Brees Hall as a prospect. I think he's going to be fantastic. So, Rich, did your model change much with the uh, combine results or was he pretty up there with those combine results yeah, he he was already very up there um i was expecting him to drop down slightly once because the only combine measurable i add in is the weight adjusted speed score um so i was i wasn't expecting him to run basically as fast as he did so when he ran as fast as he did and he he stayed up in that you know 90th percentile mark um for that it, it was you know the final Box ticked. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm I, as Dave says. I'm, I'm very much all in on Dave. Um, Brees Hall. I'm all <laughs> so, in on Dave as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. Else we wouldn't have him on the show. Um. So, do you both have him at rank one then for this rookie class, for the running back position at least? I do. Yeah. Yeah. He's. He's. Yeah. He's a, a clear one and and very much in the tier of tier of his own. Um. I, uh, to be honest, even even if I know there's all the kind of grinding the mocks and mock draft database and they seem to have these sort of top three running backs in a bit of a tier in terms of where they're expecting him to go in the NFL draft. And I think even if he was the third, maybe even fourth running back off the board, as long as he gets that day two capital, I think he's still going to be my 101 in terms of running backs. 
How about you, Dave? Does uh, draft capital come into the equation for you for Brees Hall? Is it only if he goes way under what you expect? Yeah, he's got to go in the third round for me to start to pause uh, because then maybe there's like a character thing I don't know about or, you know, that the NFL isn't telling us about. Uh, but I'm I'm telling you that I'm so in the Superflex draft, startup draft, I am willing to take him at that one two turn. That's how, like, it's he's in the conversation there. That's. I might not because I usually in a startup I like to do I'll trade back and acquire more assets or or start with wide receiver or QB but he belongs in that conversation that one two turn in a startup in a superflex redraft so or dynasty so can I can I play a little game with you then Dave um, yeah. if I can so if if you're you said he's your top five in terms of where you've got him ranked at the moment yeah so Christian McCaffrey Brees Hall straight up. Who, who would you take right now? Yeah. Wow. And I the, presume... Running Sorry. backs, like I've done a lot of work on running backs. They score the majority of their points early on in their career, like age 21 through 23, 24. That's when the majority of their of their production comes from. And that also is where the biggest gap from their their ADP is to their production. So the by the time the ADP catches up to their production, a lot of the time they've already peaked. So... I like to invest early and be ahead. And, you know, sometimes it, it flames out and it doesn't work. But, uh, you know, you get the the exponential v- value gain that you get from inve- investing in these running backs at a young age while other people are investing in the the injury-prone years or, or or things along those those lines. It's It can change a dynasty roster. Brees Hall can change a dynasty roster. That's how good he is. Okay, I've got a question for you. Javante Williams has a lot of hype around him at the moment, especially with the Russell Wilson trade. Where do you have him compared to Brees Hall right now? So Javante Williams is my four. So the way so the way that this kind of breaks down is Najee Harris comes in at three and DeAndre Swift is at two. And that, okay. that's that one. That's a one tier, right? That's a, my yeah. second tier. Jonathan Taylor's in his tier of his own. But uh, Najee Harris, if if Brees Hall gets a early second round or or late first round draft capital, he will jump. Not both Javante Williams and well, Brees Hall will jump Najee Harris in my rankings. Okay, if so, um, jump up to your yeah, okay. So, basically, all the people that have been selling 2022 picks for 23 <laughs> picks are uh, are clueless at the moment, is what we'll say. This is pretty hot. I'm, I feel I wasn't actually prepared to be this hot, but I am now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm all in, I'm, I'm, I'm fully with you there, Dave. I'm, I'm not sure I'm quite as high on you on him. In terms of overall ranks, but I've, I've, I'll be honest, I've not put rookies into my overall ranks yet. So um, I tend to wait for draft capital to happen and, and then I'll chuck them all in together. But yeah, no, I, I think as a prospect, as I said, there is I've got no question marks in terms of prospect. I think he ticks every single box I look for. So I'm, I'm fully all in. And, and as I said, I love watching him. So no questions, no arguments from me. I don't think you were going to argue really, were you? Brees Hall being ranked highly. I think you're pretty safe. Of course not. Of course not. So moving on, um, we've got Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M as our running back two on this list. Um, Although I'm not speaking for Dave here, but both myself and Rich have him as our running back three in the class. Um, The reason we did it this way around is he was the majority of people's running back one or two, and he seems to have slipped in the past few weeks. Um, so we'll start with Isaiah Spiller here. Um, as I said, both me and Rich have him as our RB3. Where do you have him, Dave, and what can you tell us about Isaiah? So I have him as my RB3. I actually just changed it before the show started. Uh, I'm actually in an auction right now, and sometimes when you test your you know, test your rankings, and it was like, no, I, I want Kenneth Walker more than Isaiah Spiller, and it's just Isaiah Spiller checks a lot of things that you want to care about. He's got, well, I'll just start with that. He's young. He's, he played in the SEC. He's got good size. Um, you know, he's just under six feet, 217 pounds. And, and um, Spiller just, he underwhelms from a raw volume uh, perspective. He had a, uh, just a tick under 19 attempts per game in his sophomore season. Uh, but he, so he never eclipsed that 20 attempts per game in his three seasons and he maxes out at 50% of his team's rush attempts in that sophomore season, but he averages 42% for his career. So uh, now looking like 40, you know, 40, 50% is totally fine, but it's not anything that gets you excited. Like Brees Hall, 60% of his team's, like he was the clear one. 
And you look at the players that were on Texas A&M, there's no one that writes, like Kellen Mond stole a couple carries at quarterback position. And then there's some players I'm not even sure if I have in my database yet, like that are, I'm like, wait, 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 this guy's taking carries from Isaiah Spiller. Uh, it didn't make sense. So, but also too, uh, Texas A&M doesn't run the ball a ton. They're not a really run heavy team. They're like for the season, they're right around low 400s in team rush attempts. And usually it's in the high 400s for a team in college. And, and sometimes they get that in the mid 500s too. Uh, like Georgia had so over 500 carries last year. So they don't run a lot. So I guess if you really squint, you can get over the volume concerns with Isaiah Spiller. And um, because, but then he also too, not, not a ton of touchdowns. No, they don't score a lot of t- rushing touchdowns. Again, as a team for Texas A&M, but he eclipsed the 10, he gets 10 in his freshman season and doesn't get past that. But he did have two seasons over 40%, which is, is okay, you know, but I'm not excited, but it's okay. And then, but the real thing that wanted me, that I wanted to put Isaiah Spiller as my two was his receiving. He's got three seasons over 20 receptions and 20, um, and two seasons over 25, which is the Zach Reed at Tass Assassin 13 on Twitter. His magic rule, if you're, you've, Catch that many in college, you're going to be a good receiving back in the NFL. Um, so he's got that he's got that three down potential build that I care about as an archetype. But the volume wasn't there, and then he's got fine efficiency numbers too. Like uh, his, you know, he'll on Tuesday, so a week ago, where this is a, releasing a week in the future or whatever it is, the 29th. Yeah. A week in the past was his pro day, so we'll, people have some answer, questions answered them as far as his athleticism. But there are some whispers that his athleticism might disappoint. Um, but, you know, in the SEC, he st- he um, did have a decent breakaway percentage, over 40%. Um, and then, or no, sorry, 33%. Um, oh, now I'm getting confused. I don't know. 40, yeah, sorry. These spreadsheets, you get very confused very easily when you, get, <laughs> when you get passionate about this stuff. So he did have all three seasons over 40%. So he does have some dynamism and a solid final season juke rate of 33%. Actually, that's very, very good. So evaded tackles per touch. So he does really well when he has the opportunity. He just was never trusted with that volume. So maybe that changes in the NFL. But as here, not thinking that he might disappoint athletically and that that might cause him to slip a little bit in the NFL draft, I have him fall to three, even though I really like him as a prospect overall. And I really love that. I really want my running backs to have receiving upside because I do not want to be game script dependent with my running backs. I want them to be able to be game script independent so if they're trailing, they can catch the ball. If they're winning, they can rush the ball. I want them to have the full picture and not be phased out of the game. But it's definitely a change from Brees Hall going to Isaiah Spiller in this conversation. Not as exciting. So where where would um, Isaiah Spiller have to be drafted for him to move back into your RB two role? He'd have to he'd have to get. Um, well, honestly, it, it, it's the testing and the draft. Those are the two. Like, if you only had the one, like, oh, maybe he has the athleticism concern, but he's still going to get that great draft capital. I'd be, I just shrug it off. I was like, oh, I love the receiving ability, but it's the uh, the athletic questions and the like. If he goes to the third round, then I'm not. Then that's what it. So if he goes to the second round and tests well, that'd put him maybe tie for second, like at this point, it's tough. Like he could go up to second. He's not, for me, he'll never get to that one spot. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it also depends on where Kenneth Walker goes, who will be the next running back that we uh, dive into. But before we do that, Rich, do you want to say anything on Spiller? Yeah. I mean, Dave, Dave summed it up very well. I think for me, I I was, I I try not to look at ranks or, or kind of read into people's opinions too much before I dive in so that I've got a, kind of a, a clear view in terms of my opinion rather than getting clouded by too many other people's. Um, but when I watched Isaiah Spiller, I, I, I just thought he was a bit meh in terms of he was good, don't get me wrong. And, you know, yes, I saw the receiving usage and, and I think he's good in space, but he just didn't look like a men amongst boys, which is kind of what I want from a running back in college that I think is going to be a stud in the NFL in that he looked like a good college running back rather than kind of different level. And I get that part of that is that he plays in the SEC, but I do think that part of that is that people fall into this archetype of good SEC running back becomes good NFL running back. And I just think sometimes we overhype that SEC aspect a little bit too much. Um, In terms of the rookie model side of things, 
he was he was kind of low in two main areas really. So his um, best market share touchdown percentage and his best receiving market share were both low. Um, his yards per team rush attempt was sort of 69th percentile. And obviously he doesn't have a weight adjusted speed score. So he's um, yeah re- reasonably low in the model. Um, didn't blow me away on tape, if I'm being honest, um, which is why he's, he's kind of been settled in as my RB3 um, for a little while. So um, with that and with us hinting a lot about Kenneth Walker, we may as well move on to him coming out of Michigan State. Um, by the looks of it, both myself and Rich have got him as the running back two on the class. Um, Dave, I'll come straight back to you. What can you tell us about Kenneth Walker? I know that uh, you hinted a little bit at him during the Spiller talk there. Yeah, he's my RB2 as well. Um, wow, so much consensus on here. I might have to just flip it. Uh, I, I will have some uh, disagreement early on. I can, I've, I've, seen, I've seen the questions later on. We'll have some disagreement. Um, but he's a young, 21 years old. Good, and the thing with Kenneth Walker, I, I also, like Rich, I try not to pay attention to what other people are saying. But sometimes things you hear things, and when I'm putting in stats in my spreadsheet, I see like, oh, man, he only like, really had one good season before I really dive in. I'm like, so he's a one-year wonder. He transferred. He couldn't get it done at Wake Forest, in my mind. Uh, be, and that, that's kind of what's going around my head. So I'm like, not, and he doesn't have catch the ball very well. So that's what's in my head right now. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, of course I'll take the, the receiving back in Isaiah Spiller from the SEC over him. But then when I dive into it, I get into it. I see that like he, he's young. He has good size, 5'9", 211, over 30 BMI. Um, and then that final year when he did transfer from, um, from Wake Forest to, I think it was Wake Forest, no, but I'm pretty sure it was, Wake Forest to yeah. uh, Michigan State. He went he, over 22 carries per game, and, and so which is definitely passing my 20 game, uh, 20 carries per game threshold. And he, even in a non-inspiring year at Wake Forest here before, he still had 17 carries per game. And this is, we have to remember too, that we had the pandemic season where, yeah, you look at his raw totals and I think it's only a hundred and something carries, but they only play, he only, there was only seven games for Wake Forest that year. So, when we're prospecting, we have to make sure we're making an adjustment for the pandemic uh, season for some teams, but not for others. But and Wake Forest was there, so when you start looking at as a percentage of his team, he still had um, thirty one over thirty one percent of his team rush attempts, um, and he and he had I think thirteen rushing touchdowns at Wake Forest in his final season. So had a nose for the end zone, but then once he gets to Michigan State, he gets over one hundred forty seven scrimmage yards per game in the Big Ten, and you know, and whereas so almost almost doubles or like eighty percent at Wake Forest, where he topped out at eighty seven uh, scrimmage yards per game. So not only does he get the workload, he's efficient with it. He that he um, then scores some massive TDs. I think it was uh, finals eighteen last season for Michigan State twenty. So that's he. You tell me he gets a ton of work. He's he can he gains a lot of yards with that work, and then he can score TDs on top of that. That has my interest peaked, but then. Doesn't only 19 career receptions, but then, uh, then this is when you start to realize that this isn't quite the exciting running back class as we've had in previous years. But then the back of my head, someone tells me, Hey, he had over 60 receptions in high school. So maybe it was just a usage thing, how he was used. And when you're getting 23, 24, 25 carries a game in the big 10, when are you going to, you have to rest sometime. You can't, you can't just play every snap. Um, and catch the ball. So too, so that maybe that's, you know, why you're being maxed as a runner. So you can't catch the ball as much. He did jump up to 13, I think receptions in that final season are around there. So that was at least something. Um, and then to kind of wrap it up, he did have a four, three, eight, 40 time and 122 inch broad jump. So he's got some explosion, explosive athleticism. And a, I think he led out of these top, the backs we're talking about, he led with a 54% breakaway run percentage and a 33% juke rate uh, for his career. So those he's when the ball's in his hands, he can make it happen on his own. He can bust the big play and make people miss, which are at the pro level predictive of fantasy success. So, and I haven't done a ton of work with the at the collegiate level yet, but I would think that that's a good sign as well. So efficient two down grinder type back with maybe some, you know, 20%, like maybe the Derrick Henry's type of, I'm not saying he's Derrick Henry, but how he got like 20 receptions in that in his uh that the two years ago there kind of season. So Rich, 
Uh, is there anything that you want to add on to that? Dave is very thorough with his breakdowns right now. Uh, I'm just sat here taking it all in, just listening to this. But is there anything you can add on top of that? I, I like Kenneth Walker. I think that's probably about as, as far as I'd go. I think for me, this this shows the tear break and quite how big it is between him and Brees Hall. Um, when you say Kenneth Walker's my two, it sounds like I'm really hard on him. But actually... In a normal class, he'd probably be my three or four. Um, I think there is a significant gap between him and Brees Hall. Um, I, to me, the Wake Forest thing doesn't doesn't sit okay with me. It's, if a guy is, you know, an NFL talent, and I get that there were some potential issues, he says that he he didn't get the opportunity to showcase his skills and and that kind of thing. But if he's as good as I potentially think he could be, and he showed he was at Michigan State. I can't get my head around why he didn't get a chance at Wake Forest at, at all, basically. Um, I think that he he ticks a lot of boxes in terms of when he's got the ball in the hands, I think he's electric. Um, I think he's he's a versatile runner. I think that he's not one of these that's going to be scheme dependent for the running game, which I think opens up the potential to, for a lot of good landing spots. I agree with Dave. the The lack of receiving usage is is kind of a question. I know that seems that everybody's favourite knock on him at the moment is he can't catch. But but actually, when you look at his kind of receiving market share, it's actually pretty good. And I think it's just a case of the offenses he was in didn't really utilise running backs in the passing game at all. Um, which I don't know if you know we had we had the knock on Jonathan Taylor when he was coming out that he couldn't catch because he didn't and. Yeah, he had it. You know, he hit as as Dave said, he hit the the twenty um, the Zach Reed rule of twenty receptions in a season. But I I think Kenneth Walker to me, he's he's a good solid, you know, volume based RB two, um, and I don't know if he's ever going to be more than that. So I think that like, if if you can get him at the back end of of your first round of you know a normal rookie draft sort of super flex, probably. You know, happy with that. But if you're expecting him to be a league winner, um, it, I, I don't. For me, I, I don't see it from from him as a player. I think it's a little unfair to say he did nothing at Wake Forest. Like he did because he did have 17 carries a game. He had 40 percent of their their team rushing yards uh, and 13 rushing touchdowns. Now, yeah, you would like it's Wake Forest. You'd like more, but I, it wasn't like he was just a total non-factor, you know. It, he yeah. was at least he did something. It was you know what I'm trying I'm, to say. I'm being a bit too harsh there. Yeah, I get. I, yeah, no, I I understand. I'm probably being a bit too harsh. It just feels like if he's the talent that he's kind of being held up to be in terms of a potential, you know, NFL second round pick and and that kind of thing, I'd expect him to be doing an awful lot more than than that with the volume that he did get at Wake. I went in feeling the same exact way, honestly. When in, that's how it made initial thought. Like I went in biased that way, honestly. <laughs> that's how I felt. I'm glad you called him out on that, though, Dave. That's that's giving me some thorough enjoyment there. <laughs> Man, it's semantics, really. It's like eh, it wasn't. It wasn't like a huge difference, but that's made Liam's week. That is, Dave. It has. I, I, I love it when people disagree with you, Rich. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Um, Rashad White is the next guy that we've got on our list. Um, currently in DNF rank and ADP is the running back four. That is also where I've got him. And it's the first disagreement of the show, guys, apart from that little little bit about Wake Forest there. Um, Rich has got him at five. So a little bit of a disagreement between me and Rich. Rich, can you tell me why you've got him a bit lower down than I have? think that I I worry that he gets pigeonholed. Um, I think that he's he's a very good back. I think he he has the potential to be, you know, a very good back in terms of fantasy production because he does have that fantastic receiving profile. Um, but I worry that the NFL are going to view him as a, you know, a, not a night. I hate saying Naeem Hines and James White because I feel like that's the easy cop-out comp. But that type of player that is a satellite back rather than a full three down back. Um, I think from, you know, from a model perspective, he, he, he was a late breakout. He's, he didn't have great kind of market share touchdown percentages. Um, his weight adjusted speed score is okay. It's not incredible. Um, I just think that he's, for me, lacks that elite ceiling. 
which is why I'm probably a little bit lower than than consensus. What about yourself, Dave? Who do you this agree with ranking wise, or are you miles <laughs> away with either of us? No, um, he's now. He's my RB four. Um, Yes. And I like Rashad White, uh, or Rashad, however you pronounce it. I, I have no idea. The spreadsheet doesn't tell me how to pronounce things. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm not going to say Rich did present, like, every, I agree with everything Rich said as far as how he's painting it out. But his upside, I think, is that 10 to 12 carries per game with that six, seven targets a game. So he, you know, I don't think he's Alvin Kamara, don't get me wrong, but the idea is that he can fall into that Alvin Kamara type workload he's got the size he has the requisite speed you know 448 at two i off the, i should i'm all i got so many windows open here uh at what was it 214 pounds so that is a decent you know it's not a home run type speed but it's definitely requisite to, to get uh, break a big play and i think too sometimes when what i did with i don't use running back breakout age be, um because running backs is a, a little bit different in that their volume isn't always earned the same way. It's more kind of, it's kind of a coaching decision given, whereas targets, you're not necessarily scheming up like all your, tar- you're not like scheming up. Hey, I'm going to throw to Amari Cooper here and then see lamb here. It's not like that. Whoever's open gets the ball more often than not. Whereas running backs, the coach decides who to put him in, what player to put in. And it's earned to a certain extent because he goes practice and everything, but there's a little bit less pure talent to decide what get, gets a player in here. And also, what I found with modeling with the RB breakout age is that Juco players and with that kind of career path kind of get lost. He had a different path to the NFL than a lot of prospects. Um, a lot of times harder path to get noticed in Juco and then come in at, I think Arizona state or wherever he was like, I can't remember now, but uh, um, so he, he goes in there and gets the 16 and a half rush attempts per game in his final season, which isn't not, it's not where I need it to be, but it definitely, with his receiving ability where he had what 40 he had four uh he's 43 receptions for almost 500 like 450 yards that is what you compare that or you combine that with the rushing ability and that's how you get a real fantasy weapon here with the athletic the requisite athleticism and the size and then he only you know um going back to rich's point about like yeah rushing wise I've heard also heard people say he's a little bit of an upright guy and you can kind of see that he only had a 31% breakaway rush percentage, which is maybe he's not explosive running the ball here, but he did have 25% uh, career juke rate. So while I mean, he's not breaking the big play, he's still making people miss and gaining some extra yards that way, uh, which I'd like to see here. And I, yeah, so that's, I, yeah, let's wrap it up. I, I think he, his receiving ability, if he gets, the requisite draft, like, so if he goes in like uh, round three, oh yeah, that, give it to me, baby. But the fear is that he is a day three pick, you know, fourth, fourth, fifth round. And then you've got to hope for an injury uh, and show, you got to show out to really get that opportunity here. But uh, he's a player, this, it just shows you how significantly this draft class drops off compared to others. I think just to kind of, confirm and agree with a lot of what you said i've in my notes i've i've comped him to a what people dream chase edmonds could be is his is his ultimate upside in terms of the receiving usage and the rushing usage i think what people are hoping chase edmonds is in miami that's where i see rashad white's kind of ceiling in the nfl and i just i, I don't know if i want to spend that that higher draft capital on on what i perceive that to be He's got 10 more pounds. He's like, he's 10 more pounds. Heavier, so it's a little bit different type of back, you know, than, than H. Edmonds. But yeah, that's the, pro, the that's how he's going to score his fantasy points. And I agree with you there. So Dave, I'll throw it over to you first. A bit of a, uh, just a random question. At the moment in rookie drafts, if you're doing any um, normal snake or normal linear format, sorry, where would you be taking him? roughly it doesn't have to be specific pick but you're taking back end of the second i'm, I'm back into the first third. round if like depending on where these QB, like say if matt corral gets uh top 15 draft capital that's going to push rashad white down you know if the qbs get decent draft capital something like some people are talking about uh sam howell as a day two pick if that happens then that's going to push sam howell down but basically where these qbs go in the nfl draft is really going to Decided for Shaw White's going to go in the top, the end of the first 
the back uh, the early second for me of my super flex drafts. Probably I'm not going to take, I don't have to take him in the late first, but I'm not going to. Uh, so I'll say early second round for me. Rich. So for me at the moment, I've got him in one QB. He's, he's 12 for me. And in super flex, he's 17 for me. Okay. I should just say a random yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. And just some, I didn't say this earlier. I want to say Kenneth Walker is my RB eight right now in dynasty. That's so I'm, that's just to, to show you how, well, one, how low I am on running backs and dynasty in general. But if, if things go right with draft cap on everything, he could, he's going to be, I think you're going to see him be a low end uh, RB one in a lot of dynasty rankings. That's quite Instant. interesting, actually. That, that running back eight, that, that is quite interesting. I feel like I'm, I need to go away and uh, start trying to slot the, the rookies in. I, as I said, I normally try to wait off till draft capital, but Dave's, Dave's got me wanting to go and play with it now, so I might go and spend <laughs> uh, the rest of the evening trying to do that. So this is actually – I know I'm, I'm we're off the tracks now, no, but feel I want to say this is it. actually one of the best advice I have to dynasty players because what you see is – uh, rookie rank rookies rise up in ranks from February to like May when rookie drafts start to happen. They continually rise up in ADP ranks and everyone's ranks because people have to do the work. They have to integrate them into their, you, you know, put them into their rankings and sep- instead of having a separate rookie and dynasty rankings. So consistently year after this has been a, a trend for five, six years at coming in, you know, January was starting in January drafts, rookie ADP always rises. No, so it's always a bet if you're in an early dynasty draft to invest in rookies. So, uh, like Brees Hall, yeah, I have, people had him probably as an RB, an early R, uh, like an RB two, a, a month ago. He's now probably everyone's low end RB one, or like a low end RB one for. But he will be a mid RB, like he'll be an R, everyone's RB seven or eight or higher, come May, because that's just how people. It doesn't, and it's not because people are buying the rookie fever. It's just they finally get more comfortable. And as they get more information, landing spot and stuff. So I highly, Rich, I highly recommend as soon as you get your work done on these is to try to integrate them because you can, that's where you can make a significant value gain on your dynasty rosters by investing, going out and trading before people realize Chris Olave might be actually good to go out and get him for a mid second. You, you don't need to be telling me that Chris. I'm I'm all in on Chris Olave. Maybe we're teasing it a bit too much, but I'm I mean, I'm far higher than I I pretty much guarantee most in the in the dynasty community on Chris Olave. I had him ahead of Jameson Williams before the combine. So uh, let's let's just let's just tease yeah. this, Dave. I've yeah. I've got him ahead of Traylon Burks. Yeah, and that I I saw that too, and I because I, I that's actually kind of why I brought up Chris Olave because that had um, was sticking in the back of my mind here. But yeah, I. So that's, but that's what I'm talking about. You can, because Chris Olave is going to get first round draft capital and he's going, or early day two, and he's going to rise up ranks. Yeah. And you, if you're ahead of the curve on these, with these rookies, that is where a significant value gain can be had in dynasty. That's if there's someone can take away one thing from the show is to invest in rookies, even like just invest in rookies because the exponential value gain, even when you miss, you can still get out of it later on because there's always someone who's willing to, to, even if you're going to lose, someone always wants to take a, that. Sec- Terrace Marshall still gets third round picks. Yeah, um, I have a, 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 too many Terrace Marshall shares, so I'm going to move off that one. Um, let, let's move over to the other uh, running back with White in their name. That's Zamir White. Uh, college was Georgia. Um, so... Again, I agree with DLF ranking and ADP, whereas Rich has him at four uh, in the class. Rich, again, I'll throw it straight over to you, mate. Do you want to tell us why you're a bit higher on uh, Zamir White than we are? Look, I'm up. Look, first of all, I want to caveat this: I'm a Georgia guy, so I'm <laughs> I'm always gonna I'm always gonna be slightly higher on Georgia Georgia running backs. I, I'm I'm lower on my Jets players. I'm much higher on my Georgia players. So take maybe this with a, a pinch of salt. Um, look, the, re- the reason I've got him there is for me, uh, with the way this class is shaping up at this point, I'm purely punting for complete upside. And I see Zemir White as the one guy that I wouldn't be gobsmacked in this class has the talent 
to be elite. And once I get past those top three, that's the guy that I'm looking to draft. And I think that you've got to look, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He's a two-sport athlete, that second sport being track, which is, you know, who doesn't want a, a, a track star for a, a, a running back? The big concern is obviously he had those two fairly horrific ACL tears. But I just think that he's got the potential to be incredible. And he certainly showed flashes of that, Georgia. He never really got the backfield to himself, which, you know, we've seen happen plenty of times with other Georgia backs over the past 10 years. They, they tend to have some pretty good ones to share share the backfield with. Um, and I just feel like the, the upside, whilst it might be small, is higher than anyone else in this class outside of those top three, which is which is why I've got him ranked four. Um, and, and I'm literally just punting for that kind of elite potential because I just think that there's there's a glimmer of hope. Um, and we know that the NFL guys and NFL front offices love those five-star recruits and they're willing to give them much more of an opportunity than, you know, a, a three-star athlete as such. So, Dave, the all-important question um do you agree with me again or have you got him a bit further down your rankings yeah he's my like rb eight or nine uh i'm a hater i'm a hater i get it though i get it though because i think from a you know a profile he he's never really put it together it's as i said it's just a a purely a flashes guy so i so i have to make a manual adjustment for georgia because that is their recruitment their recruitment pitches, hey, you're not going to be used, overused at Georgia because we want you ready for the, be fresh for the NFL. That's like their pitch. That's how they get a lot of these elite running backs. They say, hey, we're not going to grind you to dust and use up all your value, your valuable carries where, until you get paid in the NFL. So like that's part of the, the pitch here. But what what I think people are, are thinking are too much is like, oh, that's how Georgia's always done it. And then they think about, well, Nick Chubb, you know, had to share a back. The thing, the thing with it, one is that all right. I'm going to start before I get into more of this stuff. I want to say talk about Zamir White a little bit first. He's older. He'll be 23 years old by week two of the NFL, so it'd be 22 draft age, but it'll be 23 very early in the NFL season. Great size at two at well, good size at six foot two fourteen. Uh, but he was a commit like from a volume perspective, he was a committee back in college. Never eclipsed 15 carries per game because he was sharing with James Cook. I think is that the famous guy James Cook, or is that the actual NFL running or the I think it was James Cook. Dalvin's little brother. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm trying to think who the Captain Cook was. But anyway, that's a that's a side story. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm nerding out. Obviously, I blacked out and started to nerd out there. But I'll get back on topic here and say uh, he did have it. So what really, you know, he didn't get over the 15 carries per game and only 60. Never. He averaged, I should say, not never, but he averaged 60 scrim yards per game. That's That's not a lot. But he did have a good end zone, nose for the end zone with 11 TDs in two seasons. Uh, but then 17 career receptions is a real death blow. Where I think if everything goes perfect, he does like he was just this amazing runner. But this is how Georgia used him, and we don't have to worry about those injuries. And he get you know he does work his way up an NFL depth chart, and everything goes perfectly well. He taps out at a two down grinder, like a two, you know two down grinder. Uh, despite having that impressive athleticism that Rich talked about. And again, never eclipsed 30. I think he had 35% breakaway rush uh, percentage and at 23% juke rate, which isn't that great. Uh, so it, his efficiency isn't great on top of not getting a lot of volume and getting to the, now getting back to the Georgia piece, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, they all had over 200, like Nick Chubb had over 200 carries over a thousand yards in, in multiple seasons. And they were going up against DeAndre Swift. Sony Michelle were in the same backfield. Zamir White has James Cook, who's just a guy in my opinion. You know, he's a James, maybe James White. Like, he, there's not the impressive list at Georgia stealing touches like it was for Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, DeAndre Swift. That That's where, and then even when they had that kind of competition, they still put up insane counting stats and in very good percentages of their offense. So I understand that the upside in getting 
excited about Zamir White because there just aren't that many good running backs in this class. But I just can't get there. I just can't get over that jump of the Georgia piece of, hey, we wanted to, he could go the Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle route, but the, just the talent that he had to compete with just wasn't there. Yeah, he had one year of DeAndre Swift. So, yeah, no, not to I, hate, not to hate, not no, to hate. <laughs> not at all. I think, look, as, as I said, I've, I've probably watched more of Georgia than I don't watch a lot of college football, but I watch more of Georgia than most other teams, and I think. Maybe I'm I'm buying into the flashes too much, but I just think for me the way I'll I'll certainly like to play is once I get to that you know early third rounds and beyond in in rookie drafts I'm I'm just buying lottery tickets and I'm basically going to draft as many running backs as I can, but I'm drafting guys that I'm only that have got the you know potential to blow up and at that point I I don't see many other guys in this pool that have got that potential to take over a backfield and, and be an elite producer like Zemir White. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm probably buying into those small flashes and, you know, the, the athletic profile and, and the, you know, college profile coming out, uh, the high school profile coming out. But I just think that if he gets it right at the NFL, it could be special. And if I'm only having to pay a, what, probably an early third at most for that, um, I'm, I'm quite happy to take that risk. I agree. Early third or the the third round is where you want to be targeting me in drafts. I like that's take him over some of these long shot wide receivers. I agree there, hundred percent. So we'll move on to our very last one with that agreement. Uh, we won't keep that going too too much longer. So, Rich, you're gonna have to help me out with this name, mate. I can never pronounce it. Uh, I'll let you introduce the next guy. <laughs> It's, uh, it's well. It's I think it's tw- its official name is Twitter Darling Tyler Algier. Um, Dave, what 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 do you make? Are you are you buying in with uh, the rest of Twitter as it seems? He is my RB six, but that's as far as I go. As I'll go, he's just another guy for me that where I'm hoping that he gets on a good depth chart, and he's got he's an injury. He's not you know maybe he'll be in a committee and then there's an injury and then he gets a stretch where he can produce. It, because he does have a profile well in his final year I should he had a final year at BYU where he had over 20 carries a game he caught a ton of passes and scored some touchdowns so like he's got the that one year of doing being all purpose back which is exciting but that's that's it's it's that's about it I'm not getting he's does he's not like a I'm not excited about Tyler. I don't. I don't understand. I think a lot of people's hype died with his four six zero forty time. Uh, they were hoping for something a four five. Now I will say, I think the four six zero at what is he two twenty two or two twenty four? I think uh, whatever his size, he's a bigger back. That is is good. Like Ramondre Stevenson ran a four six five at two hundred thirty one pounds. So they they have almost the same exact speed score. Tyler Algier is a little bit more so, and we saw. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson looked plenty fast enough, had some big plays. Uh, that speed is at that size is good enough. Uh, but the draft capital, he's got a surprise of a draft capital. That's because we got to see some NFL intention that they want to use him and feature him in an awful offense. Otherwise he's got to luck into it or just because that's what happens. With a lot of these players is they luck into it. And now I like it when he does luck into it, he has the potential to score you a lot of fantasy po- or a decent amount of fancy points because he can do it in all three phases. But that's, that's, that's about as excited as a Tyler as I can get. So b- before I sort of offer my thoughts, Dave, I've got a, a question for you about, I guess, BYU, but potentially other traditionally strong, should we say offensive line schools in that BYU is traditionally held up as this fantastic offensive line school. They, they normally get slightly older players coming back. Um, which is why their offensive line is, is usually pretty, pretty good because it's sometimes men against boys. Do you count that against Algier potentially against other schools because BYU has that traditionally great offensive line, or, or does that not come into the equation at all? Or? Honestly, it doesn't come into the equation for me a lot. I know, I one reason why uh, BYU has older players is because that's a. Uh, what is it more? It's a Mormon school uh, uh, where they go on a year, they do uh, some missionary work. And so a lot of players come back later. 
Uh, I was actually surprised. I actually was surprised that Tyler Algier was only 22 or going to be 22 draft age because I, he felt like he was, because I always look at these BYU players. And I think, oh, he's going to be 23, 24 years old. He's only 22. So that's about the extent that I get it. Uh, now, I remember when I was diving in on Zach Wilson, they did not play a lot of people in, during that COVID year back in 2020. That schedule was light, very juicy schedule. And I don't even think Tyler Algier did that much in that year um, off the top of my head. Yeah, he only 13.6 rush times per game. Uh, he did have, a, a you know, 1,130 yards, but against a very juicy schedule. So I did downplay it just meant a little slight downtick, but it wasn't, I don't have a, like a, for Georgia, I make a mental note that I have to make a manual adjustment because of how they treat the running backs. I don't do the same for BYU. It was a long answer. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I appreciate it. I was, I, as I said, I was keen to pick your brains because I think that, you know, it's like when you look at Iowa and, and Wisconsin and, and colleges like that that always have those great offensive lines. It's like, do you count it as a, a slight negative for the back that that they have these powerhouse offensive lines? But for me, I, I, I just don't don't really fall in love with Algier. And I think that, yeah, he's, he's a big, powerful back. There's some great highlights of him trucking linebackers and, and breaking tackles and, and things like that, which, you know, is, it's always great to see. But I just don't see that ability to separate um i think that he's at best probably a 1b in the nfl and, and I, I i quite like you sort of mentioning Ramondre stevenson and i think that that's what stevenson was last year is is kind of potentially all you could ever really hope for from him i just don't know if he's ever going to be a, a a true bell cow i don't think that he's got whilst yes he's got some okay receiving work it, it was mainly dump offs and screens and there wasn't really much nuance in terms of the route tree um and, and it, i just don't think he's going to get that work in the nfl if i'm brutally honest from what i saw um so yeah he, he he's someone that as i said if, if he's there in the third rounds i'm quite happy to take him as i'm quite happy to take pretty much any running back at that point but he's just not somebody i'm excited to go and draft so, Dave, um, I've got a, a on-the-spot question for you. Looking at because I've been recording your rankings as I've gone through, just so I, I make sure I've got them noted if I ever need them to go back on. Um, but you haven't got a running back five in this class uh, in this uh, list. Who is your running back five? Uh, Brian Robinson from Alabama. Uh, yeah, that's. Nothing sexy, but he can. He's got the size. He's probably going to get the draft, like day th or round three draft capital, decent, like requisite athleticism for his size, and he can decent enough hands. Nothing sexy at all, but he's going to like the idea is that he could. He's a definitely a safer bet in my opinion than Tyler Algier. That makes me happy because I've got Brian Robinson ranked ahead of Algier as well. Sounds like you're both uh, agreeing after some slight disagreements earlier. Well, we we had to disagree at some point, didn't we? It was oh, it was it, too much like an echo chamber at the beginning. It, it makes for a good show. I came in planning on disagreeing so much because of how rudely I was treated in that last episode, like that last episode last year, with how I had so much resentment, and it actually came off a lot nicer than I wanted. To. I'm, I'm so tipped out. Come on. <laughs> Well, I hope this show has been a lot better than the last one for connection issues, um, apart from Rich telling you an earlier time than it actually was, or at least in our minds anyway. Um, but I, I, I feel like daylight saving time in the USA is, is you know, that's that's a niche knowledge for a guy in the UK. Um, I, I apologise for getting that wrong, but you cut, cut, cut me a bit of slack on that, Liam. And you know that I love throwing you under the bus, mate. I'm telling you guys, the number one platform in the U.S. if you want to be elected in government is to make Super Bowl Monday a holiday and to eliminate daylight savings time. And I guarantee you that will combine all of the strife in our in across our country and people will, that's a, a candidate people get behind are those two things, Super Bowl Monday off and no daylight savings time. I, I think people in the UK would completely agree. It's it's completely annoying. I, I read an article the other day that said apparently it was the Scottish Farming Union that was uh, causing the, the reason why we can't change it to get rid of it. So there you go. I don't think they're holding up the US ones, are they? <laughs> 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 and 
that'd be some power if they did. But um, Dave, it was great to have you on. Where can the lovely listeners find you? You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on the tweet machine, and you can find my writing over at DLF. I took a little bit of a hiatus there as my uh, baby Spaceman was born back in August. And I've, uh, with the draft season kicking up, I've, I've put out uh, two or three articles already, and I'll have two or more coming out this month. And then also, you can find all of my stuff on my Patreon, uh, FF underscore Spaceman uh, on Patreon. But most, the majority of my content is free on patreon it's just a place where i can keep everything and people can go find it there are some specific benefits that i've started to add a little bit more i've included my tiers and rankings for uh, for exclusive patrons i've started i'm halfway through creating a patron exclusive database that includes the breakaway run rates the juke rates the targets you know things to my my prospect profile or my prospect database which uh rich kind of alluded to at one point but over two thousand players and then also my weekly database, which Rich has mentioned a couple of times, is free and you can find that there. So lots of other databases, but uh, that's where you can find most of my stuff. And I have some a, a couple of exciting th- – and then you also Tale to Rivals, my home for podcasting where I, I love to to banter with my my friend Todd. And uh, But yeah, I'll have a couple of exciting things I think uh, launching over the summer that I think people can get to stay tuned for. Uh, but yeah, besides that. This has been awesome, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm in the midst of a UK tour right now. This is, I think, I have five UK podcasts. I think uh, that wow. this is step two. So I don't know what it is. I, people can't stand me in the United States, but UK, they haven't, <laughs> they haven't caught on to it yet. Mate, we've we've loved having you on, and Rich spoke very highly of you. Uh, where we're looking at guests to bring on um, this season so, or this off season. So that says everything you need to know. Can I can I just jump in and say I, I am a patron of of Dave's and I cannot recommend it enough. It is the work that he puts in, and you know it it saves me so much time rather than having to trawl through websites and pages and and quite frankly find all the data myself. I just go on Dave's spreadsheets and and it's all there. It's he's an incredible guy and it's uh, it's fantastic work and I thank him. So yeah. Anyway, I'll uh, I'll stop buttering up Dave and uh, and we can hopefully get him on again next year. <laughs> So, um, a plug from us at Five Yard. We've got about four articles currently with me for editing. I've just been sent another one. Um, so, we're going to have an absolute week. Uh, probably, in fact, as I say this, I know that this is going out the week after. So, <laughs> ignore that plug completely. If, 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 you, if you're listening to this, go back and check out last week's articles on the yes. sites because there's some fantastic work being done by the writers. They probably corrected Rich bit. and I's mistakes throughout the episode. So that's there you go. What those Perfect. Are. Perfect. Uh, Rich, any plugs from you before we say goodbye to the lovely listeners? No, if you're listening, there's still a few tickets left on the UKFFC. Hopefully, it's sold out by the time this goes out. But, uh, but yeah, go and get your tickets. It's going to be a fantastic event. And I hope to see you all there in London. Well, as Rich said, keep an eye on the Five Yard Rush website. Um, We'll have a lot of Dynasty uh, content going out over the next few weeks. But until uh, next week, when you listen to us pre-record yet another show, because Rich is going to Florida, not going to let him live this down. Um, We'll see you all then. That's all, folks. Have a great week. See you later. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.